Are we preaching this morning? Yeah. So I'm so proud of this team because they're willing to go. And ministry is not about doing your hobby, what you're most gifted right. at, what you're most talented at, or what you like the best. Yeah. Now, Pastor Kevin, you guys got to give him a little bit of grace. Because every once in a while, he gets a little irritable. Somebody say it again. But I love him with all my heart. I'm going to tell you why. This is why you're going to give him grace, because God's a gracious God. It's because he's been carrying this ministry for our media. And when he got here, he knew absolutely nothing about cameras, nothing about sound, nothing about any of it. Never built a website, never done any of this. But we didn't have anybody to do it. And so he stepped up to the plate, and he still, some of you don't even know this because he never told you, he absolutely hates doing the media ministry. It's not his thing. And when you, when you do something that's not your thing, it causes stress and anxiety. It causes frustration. Look at the tears of that. But give him a hug. Don't miss that. Give him a hug. Jesus called a group of people together 
invested them and then send them out. Yes. And this is what ministry is supposed to look like. Now you know this because you get to see it every week. And you know what these guys are doing. But I'm doing this this morning for those that are watching my video and those that are watching my TV. You want to have a church, you do it like this. You find men that have the same heart as you and will serve anywhere there's a need. Say anywhere, anywhere. There's, a need. there's a need. They'll serve there. Yeah. Don't have to beg and plead. Don't have to entice and coach along. Might have to call them on and say, hey, Chill out for just a moment. <laughs> this ministry's not easy. No. Some don't know that because they never show up to actually do anything. Yeah, amen. Amen. I'm talking to the American church today. Are you hearing me? This is what ministry looks like. Yeah. I said, this is what ministry looks like. Yeah. And our commitment is not just to hold up my arms. It's to hold up your arms and for you to yeah. hold up their arms. You know, when you get ordained in our network, I have to fill out an application that justifies it. And you've got to put in an amount of hours of work every week you're supposed to. And if you don't, you're just a liar lying on your application and said you would actually do ministry. So every one of these that are ordained, they have filled out obligations. They've come in covenant that they would work in the ministry with us. And they all have jobs, families. Pastor Kim, well, well she don't have a job. Yes, she gave up a career and catering to go do ministry. She does that, helps me, and never misses anything with her grandchildren. They still come over, stay with her. She goes to every ball game, every practice, because it can be done if you know how to prioritize your time. Pastor Parsley always teaches that the evidence of passion is the pursuit. This man right here lives an hour away from the church, him and his beautiful wife. Not easy to always get here very early on Sunday mornings, help with all the things they help with, but they do it faithfully. And go ahead and put your hands towards them. Just believe God about to bless them with the best house in the land. Yes. They're going to yes. move from Louisa to Ashley yes. or Russell or Flatwoods or maybe even on the Ohio side. Lord, give them the right house. Yes. Give them the name yes. of Jesus yes. to cut down that commute. Yes. Full-time jobs. Beautiful little baby boy. And still putting hours into this ministry every week. Every one of them. Every one of them. And so I would like for you, congregation, I always bring them up and have them to, to, to pray for you. But I would love for you to reach out your hands and for you to just pray a prayer of blessing and strength upon these people that are helping me do ministry. Would you right now just reach out your hands? Go ahead. Now, you're up on the stage. Don't pray. Take it in. They're going to pray for you. Come on. Come on, Lance. Lead it out. Go follow You begin to pray for God to strengthen and bless these guys. Come on. Come on. Bless them. Come on. Pray out loud, Lance. I know you got a voice. Come on. Let it loose. Pray for these men and women. Come on. Hallelujah. 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 Father, we bless everyone that's on this platform. We bless them with the strength of the Holy Spirit. We bless them with the provision of good God, the Father Almighty. We bless them in the name of Jesus. I said we bless them. We bless them with patience and we bless them with strength. And we bless them with grace and we, we bless them with mercy. And we, we bless them with endurance and we bless them with love. A multitude that will cover a multitude of sins, God. We just bless them today. I said we bless them in your name, Jesus. If you're thankful for everyone on this platform, go ahead and celebrate the, what, the, the contributions they make for the kingdom of God every week. Celebrate them with me this morning.
J.C. Henson get her shoes because she, she's not even able to walk now. Mm. So we kind of left that, and it was just a, a just a memory that I that just seared us in my mind. Another one with that was about midnight one night. I remember the gown I had on, and some of you all remember me with the itchy little ones with the lace, and it was it was a cream it was a cream night gown with little purple flowers, and uh, mom woke me up and put me in a blanket when got to the car. And I remember asking her where we were going. And she said, we're going to the church. Come on. This was midnight. She had been in prayer while I was asleep. And God told her, go now. You call the preacher, you call the deacons, you go now. So mom did that and they met us there at the church. Come on. Come on. And I remember being in that little gown, being laid on the altar on my back. I remember seeing the ceiling. And I remember those prayers. A lot of those men have passed on. Yeah. I remember looking at the ceiling as they touched my leg and they touched my head. They put oil on my head. Mom picked me up, wrapped me in that same blanket, put me in the car. And the next morning, I woke up and I ran to my mom.
I curse that spirit you come out of him. And immediately that witch doctor fell to the ground like a dead man. When he got up, he started speaking a language that he never spoke before. He was baptized and saved in the name of Jesus Christ and set free. Amen. The church of Jesus Christ needs to understand that we need discipleship and deliverance. Yeah. <laughs> you can't disciple the devil out. you got to be delivered from a devil. But you can't be delivered from your laziness. That's got to be discipled out. Someone yeah. said, hallelujah. There's a difference. And Dr. Summerall, later on that night, he was in his cabin. And, and all of a sudden, in that really, really hot room, he said that his bed started shaking from one side of the wall all the way to the middle of the room. And he said that the room turned ice cold where you could see your breath. And all of a sudden, the curtains that they had on the, on the room to keep the mosquitoes out, those curtains set straight up on their own. And Dr. Zumrall said that he sat up in his chair and he said, Devil! He said, I recognize you from that man that I encountered earlier. In the name of Jesus, I cast you out. And he cast out that devil. And immediately the temperature in the room changed. And immediately the drapes they had to keep the mosquitoes out had fallen back down. Everything went back. But my favorite part of the story is that Dr. Zumrall was laying there in his bed. And he said, Devil, get back in here. And he said, Devil, when I came in here, my bed was against that wall. Now in the name of Jesus, put it back. Amen. I wish I had some sons and daughters of God this morning that had enough faith to know you yes. can tell the devil not just to get out, but you can tell the devil to put it back. Put your joy back, put your peach back, put your mother back. Summerall was alive today and traveling and preaching across the United States of America, he would not be shouting to the devil, telling the devil to get back in here. He'd be shouting to a backslidden church that has forsaken the gospel of Jesus Christ and saying, church, get back in here. Right. That's willing to get back in the game. Yeah. We need a church that's willing to get back into the arena of life. We need a church that's willing to get back to the anointing, get back to the doctrines of God, get back to serving, yes. get back to going. Because Jesus said, I called you to go, not to sit. That's right. I'm convinced if he was alive, he wouldn't be calling for devils to come back. He'd be calling for a church to get back. That's right. Listen to me. It is time for the church in America to get saved again. Amen. Amen. And in 1 Kings, we see this moment where a great mighty prophet of God quits, yeah. gets out of the game, walks away and abandons the assignment. Now, I do believe we ought to give honor where honor is due, and Elijah was an incredible prophet. It's amazing that he did in the Old Testament without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But some of us that claim we have the baptism of the Holy Spirit haven't even done a quarter of what he did in his life. Yeah. Think about that. He didn't have the baptism. He had the Holy Spirit with him, not within him, in the same way that we do in this covenant. And he was a mighty man of God, courageous and brave and bold. But there is this moment, there is this season of his life where he fails, where he quits. Where he walks away. And I want to look at that this moment. This morning. So in 1 Kings 19, 1 and 2, it says, Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done and how he killed all the prophets with the sword. 
So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, may the gods punish me and do it severely if I don't make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. So here is the threat of Jezebel that I want to look at. So Jezebel is the queen and the king is Ahab, but the queen's really running the show. And she's giving a report from the king about the activity of Elijah. Because Elijah had just enough backbone to show up. And when the government, they were using government funds to push the worship of Baal. And, and so Elijah showed up with 450 prophets of this false god Baal that the government was pushing and the government was funding. And you know the story in the last chapter where, where Elijah mimicked and mocked them and said, well, let's let the God that answered by fire be fire. And he mocked them and, and he said, well, where's your God? Why is your God not answering? And then you know the story that Elijah gets the water, pulls the water, soaks it down, calls on God. God comes, fire comes, God shows up, God shows off. And then Elijah goes and finishes and kills 450 prophets. He had a mighty, mighty encounter. He had a moment where he stood to be seen and spoke to be heard. And now the queen is getting the report about what happened. Here's the problem with a lot of Christians in America. We are living our lives contrary to this moment. See, here's what happened. The prophet, the Christian, was engaged in activity that hell was notified about what God's people were doing. You and I are living our lives sinful and wicked and lazy and backslidden where hell's the one doing the notification. Yeah, that's right. Your Bible says that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. Why don't you stop doing stuff that he, so he has nothing to accuse you of? The devil loves to knock on the doors of heaven and to tell God, did you see what your son or daughter just did? Did you see the mess up? But my God is looking for some sons and daughters like Elijah that he can put his anointing on, that hell gets notified. Hey, hell, did you see what my prophet just did to yours? What would happen if you'd be baptized with such faith and such courage, a baptism of the Holy Spirit, that you lived your life that every day hell was getting a notification about what you did to disrupt the devilish stuff that's going on in our city and in your life? Yes. What if the principalities that are over the education system got a notification about God's people speaking up and saying enough's enough? Yeah. What if the alarms were going off in hell and not in heaven? What if God didn't have to bail us out with the angels all the time, but could send some angels to rejoice for a change of what we're doing in our faith? Yeah. My God, I'm preaching this morning. You are. Elijah just had this moment, same moment, moment, where he stood face to face, and he exposed and disrupted the activity of hell. So I guess I'm asking this morning, why are you living a life where hell's never getting notified about what you're doing to disrupt their plans? Yes, amen. Why is God always getting disrupted hearing how he's going to cover you? Mm. When you can walk holy, when you get baptized with the Holy Spirit, amen. 
You can be holy as God is holy, your Bible says. You can be active and engaged. You can get baptized with a heart for service where you don't care if you don't get any sleep and you don't care if you lose your life. Go ahead, put me on a cross, put me upside down. I don't care. What I do, I do for the glory of Jesus Christ Amen. and the advancement of his kingdom. Amen. Yes. Elijah had just irritated hell, exposed lies, and displayed the glory of God. You should be living in a season where you are displaying God's glory and favor from Amen. your life. Amen. 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 Yes. Well, it don't work. Well, look around. All these people are getting blessed in our church. It works. individually is that in the same way that Jezebel got a report, <coughs> principalities are getting a report about the activity of our lives. Yeah. Oh, I rejoice. Can you imagine the notification of hell when my pastor, Dr. Rod Parsley, walked down the streets of Columbus and saw that Planned Parenthood, that place that slaughters babies, and decided that I'm going to build a women's shelter on the other side of the road yeah, so when yeah. they walk out of death, they can see life. Can you imagine? I guarantee you, it, yeah. wasn't, it wasn't heaven that was weeping when we built that place, but the devils were surely irritated that we put a place where we could give free child care and free health care to those that are expected and stop the murder of the unborn. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they still do some good things. Let me talk to you, you backslidden Christian. This is how some of you sound when you defend places that slaughter babies because they do good things too. Okay. Okay. Let's just use your logic for a moment. King's daughters allegedly does good heart surgeries. They say that. We won't say that. <laughs> and we ought to rejoice for that. Amen. Thank God for the medical field. But if every grandma that goes in, they kill, you still will be silent about them killing grandmas, and but they do heart surgery is really good. They start killing everybody that's over 65 when they go in the hospital, just killing them. And we say, stop them, close them down. They're killing the grandmother. You still will sit there like a backslidden coward and say, but they do good things, don't shut them down. Shut Planned Parenthood down. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad that I'm taking our leaders and we're going in November and we're going to sit down with Abby Johnson, the former director of Planned Parenthood yeah. that is now calling for them to be closed because she got saved, got the Holy Spirit in her, and is now exposing every lie they tell. This is a Planned Parenthood. You can't buy our babies with your good deeds you do. In the same way you wouldn't let the local hospital kill the elderly, you shouldn't let anybody kill the babies. Mark God. I can imagine the report that Jezebel got when they opened up that clinic. The church should be living our lives where hell's getting notified right. about Amen. the activity. Amen. I'm calling every one of our preachers 
I don't care what your title is. I don't care where you serve. When we need you, you're going to the jail or you won't be a preacher for us more than 12 months. I'll get rid of you. When we call you to go to the recovery center, you're going to go. Or you just won't be one of us. Because we are going to make sure that hell knows that in our city and in our region, we are going to disrupt hell and expose the false doctrines of this world and display the glory of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. So Elijah, she hears, or Jezebel hears about what Elijah has done. And then she gives a threat. Look at verse 3, or verse 2. She gives a threat. She says, by the end of the day, in verse 2, I'm going to do to you what you did to them, so I'm going to kill you. Now look at Elijah's response, because this is the response of the American church whenever the government threatens to close us down. This is the response, and I'm not talking about COVID. I believe that we ought to be sensitive to that. And I want you to hear me as a a pastor. I am praying for pastors across our country, though we should not be putting people in difficult situations. And if we ever had 50% of our congregation with COVID, I'd close the doors, reach out in the parking lot, do it online. I would never want to put you in harm's way. And it's a coward, do you hear me? A coward that is a horrible representation of Jesus Christ that acts like they don't care about the sick and ignores the reality that we're in a pandemic. That's right, amen. And if they're so smart to be different, Go open up a medical door, medical place, and let me see how many people come to see you. So don't take my words out of context. I'm talking about the government closing us down, like in Virginia when they tried to pass a law that said that if you don't try to, if you will, if you have people that live contrary to what you believe to be right and wrong, and you tell them no, they can't be on your staff, then we'll close your church. That law almost passed two years ago. This is what happens when we get threatened. Look what Elijah did. Elijah became afraid and immediately ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba, that belonged to Judah, he left his servant there. So here's Elijah. He's got a servant. He's got a helper. He's probably supposed to be there to be learning how to be courageous. And, and he's there watching as they, as they go against the prophets of Baal, those 450 prophets. But then when there's a report from the queen that says, by this time tomorrow, I'm going to do to you what you did to them, he tucks tail, he runs, and he leaves his assistant. He leaves the help. And here's the problem with a lot of churches. We get fearful or we get frustrated and we run from the ministry and leave behind those that we're supposed to be raising up. That's right. Amen. And now they're scratching their heads trying to figure out how to do ministry when the Elijahs have ran off and forsaken them. Yeah. Right. Say quit quitting. Quit quitting. Get back in it. The queen sends a message, I'm going to kill you by 24 hours. I'm going to kill you. Now let me ask you something. If she was really going to kill him, why don't you give him a 24-hour notice? She wanted him on the run. She wanted him on the run. She wanted to be able to say to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and she wanted to be able to show all the Elijah followers, not that he's dead, not that we killed him in revenge, but look at your hero now running. 
want you dead. He wants you running yeah. in the wrong direction. Right. He wants you running so fast for your career, for the next buck, for the next move. He wants you running, but in the wrong direction. Yeah. And some people that affiliate with Christianity, they say, well, I'm running. Yeah, the problem is you're running, but you're running in the wrong direction. Amen. Heard the report and ran as fast as he could and left his servant. We need a church full of some Christians that have spiritual backbone. Man. Like Daniel. They said, go ahead and put me in the lion's den. I can't get people to go to the jail, but we had someone like Daniel that said, put me in the lion's den. Stop my job description. <laughs> can't get someone to go to the recovery center because I don't feel comfortable. Do you think it was comfortable when the three Hebrew boys were escorted to the fiery furnace and they said, we will not bow and we will not bend, put me in the fire. I'm going to win either way. If this kills me and consumes me, I'm going to be with him. And if I stay, he'll be with me. Amen. Amen. We're going to raise up a church, a remnant that knows how to run in the right direction. And the direction is the advancement of God's kingdom. That's right. Amen. Hallelujah. As he runs away, depression settles in. This is how many of you can conquer your depression. Stop quitting. That's right. Amen. 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 Woo. Amen. <laughs> Save you $5,000 and 25 pills. I'll set 30 they raised it. <laughs> Stop quitting. The passion you had about ministry when it first began, Why'd you lose it? Because you started running this way and you started running this way. Oh, I remember some of you when we planted this church willing to go knock on doors, do anything. Now we've got to beg and plead to get you to do anything. You're still running, just not in the same direction. Yeah. My God, I'm preaching. Depression settled in with Elijah when he ran the wrong way. It says in verse 4 that after a day's journey in the wilderness, he sat down under a broom tree and he prayed for God to kill him. He said, I've had enough. I've had enough. Just go ahead and take me out. I'm no better than my fathers and my grandfathers. Just go ahead and take me out. Depression will always come on those that are inactive. Pastor, just can't help it. My mind gets flooded with these thoughts. Well, how about this? You take your thoughts captive instead of your thoughts taking you captive. Amen. How about you flood your mind with nothing from the time you get up to the time you get to go to bed about the things of God's kingdom and watch your mind be transformed? Amen. Amen. Yes. Depression settled in because he quit. Yeah. Every time you quit, you give an opportunity for depression and oppression to baptize you instead of his spirit. Yeah. Stay active. Stay engaged. Stay in the game. Quit getting frustrated. Quit getting fearful. And stay on assignment. Yes. When you seclude yourself, and that's what he did. He left his assistant. Secluded himself. Isolated himself. You were never meant to be alone. Yeah. It's arrogant, foolish people that think they were meant to be alone. Well, 
you, yeah, I can prove that. I got a B-I-B-L-E. I don't know what you got, but I got a B-I-B-L-E. And I go all the way back to Genesis, Pastor Blake, when God said he began creation, and he said he created something, he said it's good. Yeah. He created something else, he said it's good. In the creation, there's only one thing that God said was not good. For man to be alone. It's not good for you to be alone. You're supposed to be in fellowship. Quit isolating yourself, running off into some little corner yeah. because something didn't go your way. Stay engaged and you will break the cycle of depression in your life. Once you start the habit of running the wrong way, it's hard to ever turn around. Amen. Because you gotta slow down to turn. You can't you can't run full force and turn the other way or you're gonna fall. And so once you get in the habit of running the wrong way, that's a very, very hard habit to break. You're like Forrest Gump. You just want to keep running and running and running despite the direction that you're going. You're just running. Yeah. It was fear that caused him to run away. But it was faith that had him just a chapter ago standing still. Your constant backing out, running away, echoes of the lack of faith that you really have. It was his disappointment that led to his depression. If you'll stop being disappointed, you'll stop being discouraged. If you stop being discouraged, you'll have no depression. One theologian put it this way, talking about Elijah, he said he probably thought that the miracle at Mount Carmel would have been the means of affecting the conversation, the conversion of the whole court and country, but finding himself mistaken, he was greatly discouraged. Elijah has this moment where, my God is the right God, and the fire comes from heaven, and in his mind, he thinks that ought to create a nationwide revival. Everybody ought to be converted. King Ahab and Queen Jezebel, they ought to fall down. Everybody that's ever followed that false god belt, this ought to create an awakening. And when it didn't, it discouraged him. And he ran away. Stop being discouraged about results and be encouraged about being faithful. Here's the problem. You think you're so spiritual. You think you're so good. You're God's best gift to whoever. My Bible says that when we stand before God, he'll say, enter in that good and faithful servant. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But you haven't been faithful to anything. That's right. Yeah. What is God going to say you did good? You're so scattered. Supposed to be helping here. You won't help there. Come on. God is looking for some people that will quit the quit, get back in the game, and be faithful to the finish. And it'll break the cycle of depression in your life when you stay engaged in God's kingdom. That's right. I remember playing basketball as a kid, and we were losing horribly. That was our custom. Losing is what we did good. That's how I made the team. And even then, most of the time, I set the bench. But I remember our coach saying something wonderful to those guys that were playing, and those of us sitting on the bench got to hear it. 
we were losing horrible in the tournament. And the coach, this Fred Taylor, said, mighty man of God, I love him. And he said, some of you know him, you start laughing. He was a wonderful coach. And uh, he said to us, Angie, he said, if I see you look at that scoreboard one more time, I'll bring you out and I'll put David in. <laughs> I never prayed so hard for him to look at that scoreboard. No, he didn't say that. He told him, he said, if I see you look at the scoreboard one more time, I'll bring you out. And I won't play you the rest of the season. He said, get out there and you be faithful and you play that game the way you need to play. Every play, every drill, you give it everything you got and you don't look at that scoreboard anymore because it's not about whether we win or we lose. It's about did you do your job? Amen. This is the true story. You can ask for it. We won the game and we won the tournament and we hadn't won a game all season. But it was a mind shift that when we quit living for the results and we stopped watching the scoreboard and we were more focused on just being faithful to what they had been taught and how to play the game, it changed everything. And if you will stop looking at the results and just start doing what God's called us to do, then we can have an awakening. Amen. But you get discouraged because you tried something once and nobody cheered your name or tweeted you, so you quit. No one appreciated you, so you quit. That's what God has to offer. No. Quit being so focused on results and the discouragement will go away. And just be thrilled that you get to be in the game wearing a uniform. And I'm a part of God's army. I'm dispatched to be on assignment down here. I've been trained and equipped for this. No doubt that Elijah was in a stressful and exhausting situation. I'm not diminishing that. But my God is bigger. And my God is greater. And we need to start looking more to the cross because it was stressful and it was exhausting. But our God is greater than the cross. And where there was a crucifixion, there was a resurrection. Thank God Jesus didn't quit. I could name some preachers I know. (laughs) Had it been them that God sent, they'd have got off the cross. After all, while he was on the cross, the results didn't look so good, did it? They were mimicking him on the cross, piercing his side on the cross, putting a crown of thorns and the blood dripping down his face while he was on the cross. The scoreboard didn't look good when he was on the cross, did it? I can see Jesus now in some pastoral staff. Well, this isn't working out, God. You don't know what you're talking about. This isn't bringing salvation. I'm getting off the cross. We'll try something else. Jesus was faithful to the finish, and I'm looking for a church that knows how to be faithful to the finish. Tell that to your staff pastors. 
Depression settled as he ran away, as he isolated himself. Yet here in the middle of it is God's grace and God's mercy. And God ministers to the minister. Because hear me, though I may preach loud, though I may preach with boldness, and though we may have the highest of standards because God's standards are high, it's not the will of God, the intent of God, and it's not the heart of this pastor to see anybody forsaken. It's not the heart of God to see anybody no longer walk with us. It's not the heart of God to see anybody quit and be a quitter. That's not the heart of God. When God sees his minister running and hiding in isolation, he comes to minister to him. And we're in an hour right now where God is willing to minister to the ministers. I'm not talking about the preachers. I'm not talking about singers. I'm talking about servants. That's what the word minister means. Those that are willing to serve. God literally wants to serve the servants and minister to the ministers. So in 1 Kings 19, 5 through 9, it says that while he's there, it says suddenly an angel touched him. said, get up. Get up. I said, he said, get up. Get up. Some of us need some angels to wake us up and say, get up. Yeah. Yeah. He said, an angel said, get up. And suddenly there was a loaf of bread, there was on some hot stones, and there was some water, there was nourishment. He, God had sent an angel to minister to the prophet that was on the run. And what I need you to know is that you may be exhausted because you've been running in the wrong direction. You may be stressed because you've been running in the wrong direction. You said yes when you should have said no, and you said no when you should have said yes. Come on, somebody. Good. Amen. And you're exhausted. And you feel like I can't get back in the game. I can't get engaged now. I've done too much wrong. I've, I've already shown people I'm not a team player. God still wants you. Because yeah. yeah. he's merciful. And so he sent an angel and he said, wake up. And when he woke up, there was food, there was water prepared for him because he had a long journey to get back to where he was going. And there are Christian people that have so hurt their witness, you've got a long way to go before you get your witness back. But the good news is God's got the food and the water that'll get you on the journey and will keep you no matter how far you got to go to get your name back, to get your witness back. Trust me, I know. Amen. The angel woke him up and said, wake up. and said, here, here's some food to eat. It was, it was a timeout type of moment. In sports, sometimes you're going so hot, you're going so heavy, and, and you see that your player can't even breathe anymore, so you got to call a timeout. It's not to quit. It's not that the game is over. There's just moments where you pause to take a breath, get a little bit of water, and get back in there. Don't let this be a season that you quit. Let it be the season of the timeout where the coach gives you the water you need so you can get back in the game of life and play because God still believes in your dreams when you don't believe in your dreams. He still believes in your visions when you don't believe in your vision. He still believes in you when everybody else no longer believes in you. Amen. The second time an angel comes because he goes back to sleep. Some of you, you've had angels and preachers and moms and dads and husbands and wives. You've had everybody hitting you across the head telling you to wake up. And you keep going back to sleep. Yeah. Thank God he doesn't come just for one wake-up call That's right, and then walk away. Right. He sends an angel and the angel comes again. And this time in verse 9, the angel asks a question. He says to him as he's hiding, he says, what are you doing here? Hmm. Can you imagine if every church in America 
Jesus just started showing up, and when they walked through the front door, Jesus asked the question, what are you doing here? Yeah. What are you doing here? <coughs> what if Jesus showed up to your place of work and said, what are you doing here? What if he showed up in your home, in your marriage? So what are you doing here? Yeah. And you asked a good question. What are you doing here? Why are you running? Well, the, the, that song came out years ago. Why are you running as if I'm not enough? What are you doing? Would you ask yourself this morning, in this season of your life, what are you doing? Where are you running? Where are you going? What are you actually doing? Yeah. They asked me when I was in a new position to say, network. They said, how do you think that we ought to handle, you know, uh, when you get ordained, you have to have a letter of good standing or that paper doesn't mean anything. They said, what do you think we should do for letters of good standing? I said, I think we should ask them, what are you doing? Mm. If you're not doing anything, up, messed up, and they say they want to meet with me. So let me just ask you, if you got a notification that at 1.30 today, God wanted to have a one-on-one -on -one meeting with you, I want to meet you. Would you have excitement and anticipation? Or would you be like, oh, Jesus. Mm, oh, Jesus. Jesus, can somebody come with me? <laughs> I want to meet with him. One of these days, you're going to meet with God face to face. 
the only person that can stand with you is Jesus. Yeah. So stop quitting on him. Yeah. And serve with him. And worship him. And love him. So God shows up says, I want to have a conversation with him. Then watch this. This is so powerful. Then there's a mighty wind that comes that shakes the mountains. And your Bible says God's not in that mighty wind. Then it says there's an earthquake that shakes the entire ground. And it says God's not in the earthquake. Then it says there's a fire. It says God's not in the fire. It says after the fire. Verse 12. After the earthquake there was a fire. How the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire there was a voice. A soft whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in the mantle, went out and stood on the entrance of the cave, and suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing, Elijah? You didn't answer the angel, so now I'm here to ask you, What are you doing? If you can't find God in the shout, look for him in the whisper, and you'll get your shout back. <laughs> Nothing wrong with the earthquake. Nothing wrong with God shaking the ground. Several times your Bible shows that God was in the shaking of the earth. He was in the mighty wind like an X2. He was in the fire. God said, I want to just settle things down so you can hear me real good. I don't want you distracted with all the commotion. I want you to hear my voice. Here's what my voice says. What are you doing? And if Elijah was honest, the only thing Elijah could say, uh, I'm quitting. He shares his frustration and God lets him vent. Because you know God lets you vent. In fact, some of you, let me tell you something. If you learn to vent to God instead of people, you can get encouraged instead of discouraged. So he lets him vent, he lets him get loud. Here's Elijah, I'm mighty, I'm this, I'm that, I've stood up and nobody else will stand but me, but I'll just die. First of all, how selfish is this? And you got preachers that are this way too. Here's Elijah saying, there's nobody left. I'm the only one standing up, so go ahead and kill me. Take me out of here. The heart of God ought to be if I'm the only one good God extend my life, because I'm the last one, I know you're dependent on me. I'm not going to quit. Shout, quit the quit. God's counting on you. So God met him there. He said, what are you doing? Then God doesn't even give him a choice. God gives him a command. He says, you're going to eat this food, you're going to drink this water, and you're going to go back the same way you came. And when you get there, I got more work for you to do. Amen. And the Bible says that when Elijah went back, he discovered Elisha. Because you're not a successor until you have a successor. God gave him back what he lost. He forfeited and left his help when he was running. But when he ran back, God gave him some more help. Amen. I'm here to tell you that if you'll make a decision to quit quitting, and if you'll make a decision to start running again into the loving arms of God, and if you'll really get a baptism of God's heart to where you're concerned about loving God and loving people, then the kingdom is your priority. God will give you all the help you need. That's right. Amen. 
Some of you are waiting for help for some kind of provision, but your help has been stationed here, but you ran there. I'm convinced, I've seen it in my prayer time, Angie. There are people in this church and you have prayed for things and God showed me like a rainbow. It was sitting here, but because you went there, you missed it. Your provision and your help is waiting on you to quit the quit and run the right direction yeah. and be faithful. That's where you'll find all the help you need. Get back at it. Quit the quit. Serve faithfully. Yeah. And then we won't say, revival's coming, revival's coming. We'll shout, revival's here. Because revival is not when the lost get right, it's when the church gets saved. Quit quitting. Get back in it. You're not meant to be burned out, frustrated. Prioritize your life. The key of my heart is the priority of my life. Would you stand with me? Bow your heads. I gotta be honest, and you gotta understand the time of church here that we do our ministry is TV, radio, social media. And so sometimes I'm speaking not to you, but I'm speaking through you. And I applaud so many of you that are faithfully serving, and you're not quitters. You're not quitters. But there are some in the midst that need to quit quitting. They need a fresh baptism of God's excellence and God's design of life. And if that's you today, I want to pray for you. But I know that there are hundreds upon thousands that could be listening by radio, social media, and television, and I'm talking to you. You need to quit quitting. You need to rediscover that faith that makes you stand and surrender that fear that makes you run. Stop living for results and start living for faithfulness. Amen. That's what God's looking for. Yes. But if you're here today in this sanctuary and you want to make a covenant to God that I'm going to quit the quit, would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you. I see that hand. 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 My God, I see those hands. Some of you putting up both hands. Praise God for your honesty before the Lord. Humility attracts God so much. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Even when it's a stern word. Holy Spirit, just like our ancestors, we ask you to step on our toes and challenge our lives. And stir our hearts. There's a world that's waiting on the true living church of Jesus Christ. I repent today of all the times I quit, all the times that I walked away. When I said yes, and change my life. Today, Lord, I ask for your help. 
Let my yes be yes. Let my commitment be solid. I'm all in today, Lord. This is my church. This is my city. This is my family. This is my region. And I commit today that hell can be notified about the commitment that I make this hour. I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm ready. I'm ready. Baptize me with fire. Baptize me with fire. Use me to shake the earth. Use me to shake the earth. Give me that mighty wind. Give me that mighty wind. Because I hear your voice. Because I hear your voice. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, if you believe that we are going to be a remnant on the rise and hell is going to be disrupted, I dare you to give God about 15 yeah. seconds. this day to you, and I pray all this in Jesus' name, and amen. amen. You guys have a wonderful day.